This morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 8. We read the first portion of this chapter in our service of reconciliation. We're going to read for our text this morning the verses 1 through 17. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the like, like, likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back section of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 859 in the back section. And near the bottom of that second column, we have article 14 of the Belgic Confession. We're going to read that article this morning. Belgic Confession, Article 14, on page 859, entitled, The Creation and Fall of Man. We believe 
that God created man from the dust of the earth and made and formed him in his image and likeness, good, just, and holy, able by his own will to conform in all things to the will of God. But when he was in honor, he did not understand it and did not recognize his excellence. But he subjected himself willingly to sin and consequently to death and the curse, lending his ear to the word of the devil. For he transgressed the commandment of life, which he had received. And by his sin, he separated himself from God, who was his true life, having corrupted his entire nature." So he made himself guilty and subject to physical and spiritual death, having become wicked, perverse, and corrupt in all his ways. He lost all his excellent gifts, which he had received from God, and he retained none of them except for small traces, which are enough to make him inexcusable. Moreover, all the light in us is turned to darkness, as the scripture teaches. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not receive it. Here John calls men darkness. Therefore, we reject everything taught to the contrary concerning man's free will, since man is nothing but a slave to sin and cannot do anything unless it is given him from heaven. For who can boast of being able to do anything good by himself? Since Christ says, no one can come to me unless my Father who sent, him, who sent me draws him. Who can glory in his own will when he understands that the mind of the flesh is enmity against God? Who can speak of his own knowledge in view of the fact that the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God? In short, who can produce a single thought since he knows that we are not able to think a thing about ourselves by ourselves, but that our ability is from God? And therefore, what the apostle says ought rightly to stand fixed and firm, God works within us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. For there is no understanding nor will conforming to God's understanding and will apart from Christ's work. As he teaches us when he says, without me, you can do nothing. This is our confession of faith. Well, this morning we return to our regular practice of preaching the word of God as summarized in our confessions, the three forms of unity. We are studying the Word of God as it's uh, contained for us in the Belgic Confession. And just to remind you uh, where we were before we took that brief break for Lent. We've been looking at the first section of the Confession, Articles 1 through 13, which deal with God and His works. We talked about God and how He reveals Himself. He reveals himself generally in creation around us. He reveals himself more particularly in his holy word. We talked about the character of that word of God. That it is inspired. That it is authoritative. 
that it is sufficient. It gives us everything we need for life and for godliness. We saw that God is a triune God. I talked about the deity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then finished up that section talking about the Father and, and creation, what He has made, and providence, His ongoing care for creation. Now, we move to the next main section of the Belgic Confession, Articles 14 through 17. Not dealing particularly with God, but dealing with man. His fallenness and his need for recovery from sin. Dealing with these articles here sets up the third section of the Belgic Confession, beginning in Article 18, talking about Christ and what he has done for us. So for the next several weeks, we'll be looking together, focusing on who man is, his fallenness and his need for salvation. This morning, we talk about one of the questions that always comes up when we ask about salvation and man's ability with regard to salvation, man's free will. Does man have a free will? And I guess we have to, just by way of introduction, we have to recognize we are talking about free will in a particular context. We're not saying, uh, does man have some freedom in everyday decisions that he makes? Uh, this morning, was I free to have uh, Lucky Charms or was I free to have Captain Crunch? It's a free choice I could make. We're not talking about those kind of everyday choices. We're talking in the context of salvation. And the fundamental question, does man have a free will now to choose for God? Is that the freedom he has now? What's the nature of man's will? And Paul deals with that in Romans chapter 8, about the nature of man, about the nature of his will, and, and about the need for God in light of that truth that Paul will give us in Romans chapter 8. So we look this morning at the topic, the biblical topic of man's free will. And we begin by reminding ourselves, as our confession does, that man was created good. Our confession begins this article, we believe that God created man from the dust of the earth and made him and formed him in his image and likeness, good, just, and holy, able by his own will to conform in all things to the will of God. Man was created good. Man was the crown of God's creation. He had made everything else in the creation, and then he, he finishes up with his last, final, best work. Man made in his image. And God says, this is not just good, this is very good. That's how man was created. In the image of God, and created, our confession says, with a will that was able to follow the will of God. Man was created with a free will. A will that could choose to follow after God or a will that could choose not to follow after God. He had a true freedom 
in his will. And yet, yet even, even with that freedom man had, he still needed direction, needed instruction from God. And so God gave him just that. God said, I have given you this garden. I have given you all the trees to eat from. Enjoy yourself with anything, anything except for one tree in the midst of the garden. Of that tree you shall not eat. Man, in his created state, had the freedom to will to comply with the will of God. God said, do not eat of this particular tree. And man, Adam, had the complete freedom to do that, to, to, to will that he would do God's will and not eat of the tree. He also had the free will to disobey. A will to sin or a will not to sin. This was man's state when he was created. Created with a perfectly free will. A will to follow or a will to disobey. Man chose to leave the glories of that of that original state of perfection, having a completely free will, when he voluntarily, willingly, chose not to obey the word of God, not to follow his instruction, but freely chose to go on the path of sin instead. Oh, to be sure, he was tempted by the devil, and our, our confession reflects that. But when he was in honor, he did not understand it, did not recognize his excellence. But he subjected himself willingly to sin and consequently to death and the curse, lending an ear to the word of the devil. You remember, children, what happened. How the devil came and, and, and tempted Eve and, and told her she didn't have to listen to what God had said. She could freely choose to obey or freely choose to disobey. And Adam and Eve made the free choice to disobey the will of their God. That was their willful choice. But in doing so, plunged themselves and plunged all of their posterity, us, into bondage. Adam and Eve no longer retained the freedom to choose to sin or choose not to sin. But they were now fallen. Every part of them was fallen. Their will was fallen. That's the extent of the tragedy of the fall. Every part became fallen and sinful. And man was no longer free to choose to do what God wanted. His will was now bound bound in sin. And our confession says, for he transgressed the commandment of life which he had received, and by his sin he separated himself from God, who was true life, having corrupted his entire 
nature. Man separated himself from God. He became estranged from God. His, his, his concern was no longer for the things of God. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8. In verse 5 he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. In the fall, man was no longer free to choose the glorious delights of God. But his delights became fallen, abase, fleshly. And that's where his desire, where his will now went. Verse 7 of our text. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Man became hostile, separated from the things of God. Beyond that, hostile to the things of God. His mind hostile to God's ways. He became, as Paul says, enslaved to sin. Bound in sin. Children, there used to be slavery in our own country. And a slave who was a slave, could not, by his own willful decision, no longer be a slave. A slave couldn't say, I'm going to decide in my own will not to be a slave anymore, and therefore he would be freed. No, he was bound. He didn't have the ability to will himself free from that slavery. And, and as such, he would act as a slave because he was a slave. He, he would act within his context. And so it is with the man of the flesh. The man of the flesh desires the things of the flesh. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The mind of the flesh cannot grasp the things of God. No more free will to choose to do sin or not sin. It is only free to sin. It does what is consistent with its context enslaved to sin, hostile to God, which leads only to an eternal death. Verse 6, for to, set, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. And that's where Adam's mind was then. A mind set on the flesh and dead. 